This past weekend, I had a chance to spend time with long-term friends, some of whom are very influential, uh, both of them in Christian leadership, and, uh, and they're in contact with other very influential Christian leaders across this country. Some of our conversations, just about like all conversations today, turn toward politics, and uh, we had discussions about whether the church needs to be more involved in politics and influence the direction of things, uh, or whether we're too involved in politics, and whether we're trying to establish a kingdom, a political kingdom on the earth. Uh, what does that look like? And all the nuances around around that. Uh, we talked about what it means to be light and salt. Uh, we talked a little bit about how the Puritans uh, were influencing government back in their day and what should or should not translate into today. Um, we talked a little bit about Trump and DeSantis and state versus uh, federal laws, policies. And uh, we didn't come to any real conclusions. Uh, I should be upfront about that. And we didn't come to a lot of agreement a lot in, in many areas. One thing that I think we should all agree on is that the just powers of the government are derived from the consent of the governed. That's sort of the moral foundation for a democratic culture. And, uh, and so then that led to other debates. You know, should we try to pass, pass laws that are uh, end all abortion all at once and reject any any policy that might uh, reduce abortion in the same way that Planned Parenthood would reject such uh, policy or legislative proposals. Are you compromised if you do that? And then there's a big debate about that among American pro-life people. Um, Passion Life is not really a political organization. We don't do legislation. We don't do state policy. Um... Uh, but rather our focus is to try to take the word of God and to train up a generation of the church that knows how to stand for life in a secular culture and to make a winsome and articulate and persuasive case for life and at the same time to mobilize as an army of good Samaritans who are ready to rescue women and couples who are in the midst of a pregnancy-related crisis and make sure they find some sort of a life-affirming alternative to the false promise of abortion. That's what we're about both here and all over the world. And of course, that's another reason we don't get into the political side of things. There are other people that can do that. And we really feel called by God to be focused on training the universal church to stand up and to know the Bible in this part of, uh, and apply it to this part of our culture where we are. Uh, my uh, appeal to us all is that whether you're in 40 Days for Life, or whether you're in a pregnancy center, or whether you're really watching all the developments in, in these legislative proposals, six weeks, 12 weeks, 15 weeks, the abolitionist group, uh, uh, Trump and DeSantis and all the other people that are running for office and all of this stuff. There are so many ways to get involved with the pro-left movement. But I think we should all begin 
our pro-life effort in the same place. This is the one thing that we should unify around. That if you're going to stand for life, the first expression of that pro-life action ought to be the same action that David took when he began to understand the humanity of the unborn child, his own life in the womb. And what is his action point? Well, it comes to us in Psalm 139. It's very familiar to those in the pro-life movement. It's almost always the primary text that is read when I've been invited to speak in a church and they know that I'm going to be addressing the sanctity of human life. They all turn to Psalm 139. You formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. And we read this verse and the ones that follow that really declare the humanity uh, of our lives, even in the womb. David is marveling at his humanity in the womb. But he's doing more than that. He's actually worshiping. And my appeal to all of us who want to stand for life is to make your first action point the same as David. His response to discovering the humanity of the unborn child was to worship God and to align yourself with him. I will praise you for I am wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. He's worshiping. So I've always tried to practice that, to remember that whatever action points, points of interaction, even points of political influence, where if that is how the Lord should lead you, that before you get on your active horse, get on your knees before the Lord and just worship Him and align yourself with Him and His will for your life through Christ, and He will then lead you to all the good works that he has prepared for you and me to do. This is the one unifying place that everyone in the pro-life movement uh, can stand. We can stand together on Psalm 139 and that if our case is true, that the human being starts at conception and is worthy of equal rights for all people, if that's our position and we're ready to go to battle for that, Our preparation for battle ought to be on our knees and in glad worship and draw from him the wisdom and guidance that we need to carry out the good works that he's asked us to carry out in this troubled time. So Psalm 139, it's it's really a call to worship. And uh, let's start there as we go forward in the many good works that we're doing. God bless. 